Hello, and welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Welcome back to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast. Now, today we're going to be joined by a man improving the lives of others through his organization, the Contentment Foundation. He's dedicated to helping all humans flourish and improve their well-being. His name is Dr. Daniel Cadaro, and we are so grateful to be able to tap into his incredible mind today and learn from his ample wisdom on the power of contentment. Let's get him on Zoom. It's time to get to class. So welcome, Daniel. It's so great to have you on the podcast today. Now, I want to start with why did you start the Contentment Foundation? And can you tell me a little bit more about it? Well, first of all, Bree, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the work that you're doing, especially being an advocate for mental health in a post-pandemic environment. It's one of the most important times to be having these discussions. So I really appreciate uh, advocates like you who are getting the word out there uh, to help people help themselves. For me personally, the Contentment Foundation is not something that I founded or started. It actually found me and started me. This has been a personal journey that I've been on for over a decade to understand the nature of human psychology, what it means to flourish as a person, to have purpose in life, to understand our emotions, the emotions of others, and what to do with all of this information to live a happier, more sustaining and fulfilling life. Uh, so it's been a personal journey for me of growth and you know, trying to be a, a better person over time. And then at a certain point, I felt inspired to, to start to share it. There are a few things that happened in my career trajectory that um, inspired the launch of this initiative that has now gone global. So I've just been very fortunate uh, to take something that's been very personal for me, that's added a lot of value in my life, and now being able to share it around the world with others. It's such a beautiful um, concept because obviously, you know, in a world that's wanting more and more and more all of the time, can you share a little bit what contentment is and how does it differ from happiness? Because I think a lot of people are searching for happiness and they get more things and stuff and then still realize that they're not very happy. So can you share a little bit about why contentment is different to happiness? Happiness is great. I love happiness. And, and it's kind of the mascot for all positive emotions. You know, if you're feeling elated, we'll usually say, oh, I'm feeling happy or I'm feeling fine. Uh, if you're feeling prideful or if you're feeling relaxed, usually people will say, I'm feeling happy, I'm good. So happiness is this blanket term that we use to describe a general positive mood. Uh, and then often happiness is used when we get the things that we want in life. When something external comes in our world that we desired uh, and we attain that thing, then we usually feel a sense of happiness. So this is what, what we mean when we're talking about kind of the more approach to wellness. That's where happiness sits. So when we uh, attain more material wealth or prestige, power, validation. These things tend to make us happy. And, and that's a good thing. Um, it feels great to be happy and it feels great to have more in our lives. Uh, however, there's another side to well-being and, and it's a little bit more introverted and uh, directed inward. It, it has nothing to do with what's going on on the outside 
And it's something that is permanently residing within us. And that's the word that we use to describe contentment. Uh, so contentment is this state of unconditional acceptance of the present moment. No one can give it to you. It doesn't come from outside of you. It's cultivated within. It's like solar-powered well-being. So this is typically the difference between contentment and happiness, where one is derived from the external world, and the other one, contentment, is derived from our internal world by cultivating it inside. I love it, because it's so important, like, <laughs> I guess, to be happy with what we have. Yes, of course. Um, and, and it's not about, uh, you know, becoming a monk or giving away all of your possessions. Uh, if you like driving a Ferrari, go get yourself a Ferrari, enjoy it, have fun, go out, uh, you know, be hedonistic, enjoy the dopamine that your brain gives to you. It's, it's a wonderful gift. However, the problem starts to arise that when we invest all of our time and attention in that more strategy to be more, have more, do more, accumulate more, it just gets exhausting, frankly. And it's, it's not a sustainable strategy to maintain well-being because happiness is fleeting, uh, but contentment is something that we can always find inside of us. So if you have some skills to find that sense of contentment within, it's a really nice complement. And when, when you're not feeling this elated sense of dopamine or you're not you know, in a state of achieving or accumulating material wealth in that particular moment, contentment is always there as your natural state to rest into and feel joyful and grateful and, and calm that life is okay as it is right now in this moment. So it's a beautiful complement to um, a complete well-being strategy. Because do you think we've been conditioned to believe that we need more? Because I guess in reality, we already have so, so much. Um, you know, my team found a statistic uh, from the Red Cross that sort of said that if you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back and a roof over your head and a place to sleep, then you're richer than 75% of the world. And if you've got money in the bank and your wallet and some spare change in a dish somewhere, then you're among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. It puts things into perspective, really, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. And what I've found in my research and just personal experience is that um, there are objective measures of wealth, of course. Uh, like you said, if you have some of your basics met, if you have shelter and food and clothing and you know a little bit of money to get by, uh, then you, you've got all of your basic needs met. But in my travels and in my research, I've found that wealth is actually more of a, a mental state than anything. I've met some of the wealthiest people in the world by any objective measure, like literally billionaires who believe that they don't have anything and they feel scarce and they feel like they need to accumulate more. I've also met people on the opposite end of the spectrum who have objectively nothing. Uh, some people who were living out in the forest as, as nomads and just hunting and gathering in, you know, in Bhutan um, didn't really have a whole lot, but they felt inside that they had everything that they needed. So it, it was more of a psychological state that was, was being cultivated uh, and very, very wealthy people can feel very poor and very objectively poor people can feel very wealthy depending on their mindset. Now, obviously, we want to create equitable opportunities for everyone to get their basic needs met, to live a, a healthy and safe life, um, reducing injustice and, and all of these things. But I just find it really fascinating that this sense of, of poverty can come from 
our psychological state or our sense of scarcity within. And so perhaps if we learn how to create abundance inside of us, then we can have a, an overwhelmingly um, valuable and uh, value-rich life. Yeah, I love that. Now, you sort of touched on um, seeing some remote communities and uh, overseas, and I hear that you had an incredible experience uh, in the Himalayas a few years ago, and you made contact with some villagers that had had no outside contact previously. Can you tell us a little bit about the discoveries that you made and explain, I don't know how to pronounce it properly, but is it Chokshay? You got it. Perfect pronunciation. Very well done. So this was back a few years ago, around seven years now. This was at the culmination of my dissertation work for, for my PhD project when I was at UC Berkeley, and I was studying cross-cultural human emotions. What that means is I was looking at how people communicate their emotions in different places around the world. So things like facial expressions, vocal expressions, body postures, all these nonverbal signals that we use to communicate our internal states without using words. And I'm sure for anyone who's ever traveled to a different country or met people from different cultures, you may find that some of these nonverbal signals are effectively the same, while others are very different because they're learned in the, the native culture that, um, that gave rise to them. So the question was at the time, how many emotions are universal? What is the human language of expression? And are there certain facial expressions and vocal expressions that transcend cultures? without needing to be learned. They're biologically driven. So that was the big question. So I went on this huge expedition around the world, um, collected one of the largest sets in, in history of facial and vocal expressions and was coding them and understanding them. We started to see some really fascinating patterns. But the problem was, it's really tough to detangle um, cultural learning because you and I are both connected to the mainstream culture. We have access to the internet, we have access to television and radio and printed newspapers. So we could be learning these expressions from these sources of media. So if you want to understand whether an emotion or a language is biologically driven, you have to find a group of people that has had no exposure to the outside world whatsoever. No internet, no radio, no publications of any kind, no TV, no cell phones. Uh, and at the time, there, there weren't many left on Earth. There were actually only three. And through a lot of luck and, and a lot of work, uh, my team actually did a, an expedition in Bhutan in the high Himalayas, out in the eastern border region um, near Nepal, where we found a group of, of people living in the mountains for who knows when, who had never had any contact with the outside world before. And, and we made first contact with that community. It was a life-changing moment and uh, an incredible moment for our research. Uh, so that's that's how we actually got there in the first place. So how can we achieve greater satisfaction and happiness in our lives by learning how to cultivate it then? Well, here's the interesting part about contentment. You already have it inside of you, and it's just remembering it and getting in touch with it. There is some of the most fascinating studies done around 20 years ago uh, where researchers found that when study participants were sitting in a room alone doing nothing and they rated their emotional state, on average, they would say that they're feeling pleasant, so some mildly pleasant state. And at the time, this really annoyed researchers because they were hoping that they would say that they're feeling neutral because they were going to put them 
um, into situations where they were going to have them experience different emotions so they understood what those emotions were. But these participants were saying that when they're in a room alone doing nothing, they feel generally okay and pleasant. Uh, there's some mildly good feeling that arises. So mindfulness researchers took this and started studying it with people who cultivate this sense of peace and introspection on a reliable basis. And they found that there are certain practices that we can cultivate for ourselves so that no matter where we go and no matter what we're experiencing, there's always this sense of fullness, fulfillment, gratitude, peace, equanimity, whatever you want to call it, that's always available to us inside. And we can actually make that feeling stronger over time by focusing our attention towards it. So it's actually kind of like a superpower that we all get to access. Uh, and there are many hypotheses why humans evolve this capacity to feel pleasant, regardless of what's going on outside, uh, when they're not really doing a whole lot. Um, but whatever the reason is, we have it. And these great practices exist to allow us to um, make that feeling stronger over time. Yeah, because I know you have the more strategy and the enough strategy that they were identified in your research team at Yale. Can you explain them and their significance when it comes to our well-being? Sure. Yeah, that was just an easy way to categorize the two general types of practices that people use to find well-being in life. Because at the end of the day, it's something that everyone wants. Every single person on earth wants to feel well and find some kind of joy in their lives. No one wakes up in the morning and they're like, oh, you know what I want today? I want to be miserable. No one says that. Everyone wants to be happy, whatever that means to them. So the question is, how do you do that? And there tend to be two different kinds of ways that we go about finding well-being in life. The first is the more strategy, where we look for happiness and fulfillment outside of us. We accumulate more money, more possessions, more uh, wealth and validation, more power. Uh, and it works because, you know, if I if I offered you, Brie, 100 US dollars right now, I'm sure you'd be pretty happy with that. And you put that in your pocket and you feel delighted. Thank you. Come again next week on our podcast and give me more money. <laughs> but the question is, what do you think, Brie, how long would that happiness last after I gave you $100? Just an estimate. Oh, maybe half an hour couple of hours maybe depends on what I bought with that's, it realistically but yeah <laughs> that's really good actually that's a that's a little bit longer than the average person uh, the average person that type of happiness would last maybe 30 to 90 seconds before our mind starts focusing on something else you know what am I going to get for lunch uh, what am I going to do with this $100? What do I have to do for work tomorrow? So the mind gets distracted very easily. So when we accumulate something like money, power, prestige, validation, the happiness that we feel lasts for a few minutes at most. So then what happens is we have to do it again and again and again. And it's like we're on this treadmill that never ends. And that's where it gets exhausting. So if we're always pursuing these little hits that don't last very long, we can feel exhausted over time. So that's the more strategy. It works for sure, and it feels great, but it's not sustainable. It's very difficult to keep up in the long term. So the good news is there's another category of practices to find wellness in life. We call that the enough strategy, where instead of finding this happiness and stuff outside of us, 
we start to cultivate it inside by directing our attention to understand how our mind works and where that sense of joy is inside of us, because we all have it. So there are practices like mindfulness, where we're directing our attention to the present moment, or gratitude, where we express appreciation for the things that we have in our lives, or loving kindness and compassion, where we open our hearts and minds to love and to serve the world around us. Um, there's also more cognitive practices like introspection and questioning to understand the nature of our assumptions and biases, why we think the way that we do, why we feel the emotions that we feel. So all of these are really, really powerful practices that don't cost anything. Anybody can learn them very quickly. We teach them to three-year-olds in the classroom. They're very easy to access. They don't involve any fancy equipment or rigorous training and um, everybody can benefit from them. So at the end of the day, you have these two categories of practices, the more approach and the enough approach. And if you have a nice balance between the two, people generally feel really good in their lives. And overall, they feel like they found the wellness that they've been looking for. It's so important, isn't it, that we find that in our life? Because I guess, you know, we're all searching for more meaning and for some of us it just feels like we need to add more in when sometimes it's simplifying and and taking less and having less you know i guess exactly when we teach this stuff in the real world to teachers to executives uh, to parents and kids there's usually this sense of relaxation or relief like oh wow i've been so exhausted doing these other things and it feels so good just to have a little space of peace and calm and just quiet for a few moments. So what you're saying is totally true, Brie, that sometimes taking a moment and simplifying it and getting rid of all the complexities of accumulation and doing and having and, and being more and just resting into where we are right now in the moment is one of the greatest gifts that you can give to yourself. It's, it's like a breath of fresh air after running up on the top of a mountain. It just feels so calming and grounding uh, for, for most people who learn these practices. And so I know some people do get the rough end of the stick with a lot of things in their life and they might be questioning why they should be content with what they've got in their life. Um, what advice do you have for people who are experiencing hardship and repeated trials and tribulations in life? Um, how can this mindset shift help them live a better life? Yeah, well, one of the important things is to, to recognize that there's a confusion that sometimes happens when people hear the word contentment. It sounds like I should be complacent. You know, if something's going wrong, I, well, it, we'll just be content with it. We'll be fine with it. We won't do anything about it. That's a very common misconception about the word contentment. And contentment is anything but complacency. It's actually uh, one, of, one of the most challenging states to cultivate sometimes because when we're in a true state of contentment, we're recognizing all of the emotions that come up inside of us as they come and go. Uh, and that means the pleasant ones and the unpleasant ones. So when we're in states of feeling angry or sad or afraid or anxious, when we're, when we're accepting those emotions as they are, we're actually feeling them fully and doing our best to understand why they're here. Because emotions are data. They help us understand the world around us. And contentment helps us refine the way that we manage and regulate our emotions. So if you're in a place where you know, you're kind of down on your luck or things have been tough lately, 
and you're in a state of contentment, uh, what that means is you're able to hold all of the unpleasantness that you've been experiencing and use that unpleasantness to think of new ways to move forward and better your life. It increases the resolution on your inner world so that you can understand yourself better, you can understand others better, and you can navigate those complex situations without resisting things that you don't want to feel or clinging to things that you do want to feel. It gives you an accurate representation of what's happening right now in the moment so that you can make better decisions moving forward. So in many ways, contentment is a highly active state where we're constantly assessing how we're feeling and being honest and vulnerable with ourselves uh, that we may be feeling something unpleasant that needs to change in our environment. So this is what contentment really can add value to in, in people's lives. It's a, a great tool for navigating the world around us and making better decisions. I love that. Have you got any tips for people listening right now that need a bit more advice on how they can cultivate contentment in their life? Yeah, you're just awesome the way that you are. I mean, there's nothing that you really need to do to fill some hole inside of your heart that doesn't exist. Um, you know, advertisers and popular culture and media are constantly trying to tell you that you're not good enough or you're not worthy or you're less than, and that's simply not true. You are absolutely extraordinary as you are. And when you start to direct your attention inward, you're gonna see exactly what I mean by that. You're gonna see how extraordinary you are inside, how rich your mind works, how helpful your emotions are, how big your heart is to allow all of these states to come through and to make good decisions about what you're doing in your life. Um, you're an extraordinary human being and uh, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You are amazing as you are. Uh, and if you put your mind inside of yourself, you'll see exactly what I mean pretty quickly. I love that. I felt like you're just talking to me just then. So thank you so much for um, sharing your wisdom, making us all realize about the power of contentment. Um, Daniel, it's been so fantastic to have you on the show. I know we had a few issues uh, with our Wi-Fi between uh, Australia and Thailand, but I think we've managed to get the podcast uh, out of us today. But thank you so much. Where can people go for more information if they want to learn more about what you do and how they can support uh, contentment org? Thank you so much for having me, Brie. It was great chatting with you. And if anyone's interested in our work, they can go to contentment.org. That's yes. contentment.org. Uh, they can also reach out to me if they're interested in learning more. You can find me on LinkedIn or on our website. And I'll be happy to connect with anyone who's interested in um, the next evolution of mental health in the world. Yes, it is so important. I totally love what you are doing. And I know you have a big goal, which is to impact how many people globally with this philosophy of life? We're going for 2 billion, Brie. That's about a quarter of the world's population. I agree. And I'm definitely joining your cause because we all need a little more contentment in our lives. So to everyone listening right now, I really hope this has inspired you to have more peace, love and enjoyment in your entire existence. It was really wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you, Bree. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at 
This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.